When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, can join us today on Hale Varsity at 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. lot to get to today. The finishing touches on signing day 2023 2.0 edition. Five more names to tell you about. Uh, for Nebraska football. One late addition in DeAndre Barnes. That came through this morning. Talented corner out of Colorado. So we'll get there. We'll hear from Matt Rule, his press conference at 2 o'clock today. And uh, Rule shed some more light on just philosophy and what his goals and intentions are in Lincoln. So good to hear from Rule. Tom Brady dropped a nuke this morning. And uh, he is done for good. Do you believe it? We'll get there and get uh, one of his seven layers of visa protection <laughs> to help out with that. Russ Hochstein, Pride of Hardington, uh, Cedar Catholic, going to be with us in one hour. Great uh, longtime NFLer and, of course, Husker offensive lineman Russ with us in one hour. Mike Babcock in about 20 minutes. And uh, Evan Bland also will help put an exclamation point and uh, go there. If you're having technical difficulties... We are putting more steroids into the hamster, apparently. Can watch and stream us uh, different ways to do it. Radio is always gold. But, yes, the Facebook and Twitter feed for ESPN Lincoln, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Find Damon and Andrew in the morning, 7 to 9, and uh, me, Chris Schmidt, and Elijah Herbal, 4 to 6, on your way home. Computer just crapped out. I had a freaking power outage before the press conference at my house here in Lincoln. I didn't know how I was going to get down to the, uh, I was going to have to Uber, because my garage is so jacked. Oh, yeah. Right? The, the electricity part, I can I shower. Like, I'm like, I don't think you have an electric car, do you? No, no. <laughs> like, that doesn't seem like your style. No. <laughs> Can't afford one, first of all. Second of all, but no. So, yeah, a bit adventurous. So, if you're having technical issues with uh, any of the feeds, do the radio thing. ESPN Lincoln, ESPN Omaha, Guardi Hastings, Grand Island, Columbus can, can hear us there. And uh, the different streaming apps that you get your radio from. But, yeah, we will fix the stream. Allegedly, Matt, thanks for that heads up. But uh, the here and now is about recruiting and signing day. Uh, and also Tom Brady. I know you've been wore out nationally with Tom Brady's retirement, but I'll say this. Like, I I didn't expect him to retire this morning, but I didn't know if he was going to keep on playing based on how things finished with Dallas and Tampa, the way he 
took his cap off, uh, tipped it to the crowd, and gave mom and dad a kiss on the cheek as he exited uh, Raymond James, or whatever it's called now, the great pirate ship, one last time. He's not playing at Tom Brady all-pro level, but he's playing probably top five, top seven level in the NFL for quarterbacks, if we're being honest, with the right supporting cast. So uh, I still think there are some teams that would be crazy not to coax him out of retirement. I still think he has a year. Elijah, maybe he just says, you know what? I can't play at the level I want to play at, so it's time for me to go away. And I think that is it. He knows he's limited. He's probably one hit away, one halfway season point away from his skills falling off the cliff. Maybe he's seeing that horizon versus trying to hang on. One thing about him is he's absolutely proud. He's earned all of the uh, the, the, the adulation uh, from being kind of a no-name six-rounder to uh, arguably the best ever. Uh, and he's done it with teams that have no pro bowlers, and he's done it with teams that have Hall of Famers. That's what's special about him is how he, in a positive way, infected the other 53 guys in a franchise, flipped New England, went to Tampa, got it handled, and and then they still got to the playoffs this year when they were kind of a shadow of themselves. So uh, thank you, Tom Brady, is how I will end it with uh, what he provided football. Russ Hochstein will have more glorious words than me as his teammate for seven seasons in New England. Okay, Nebraska recruiting class, they come in in some different levels on three rivals 24-7, anywhere in that 25 to 28 range. The reality is 28 high school players, 11 portal guys, and 100-plus guys on scholarship. Matt Rule, uh, very adamant about getting to work. Uh, and no break following recruiting. Uh, here is Coach Rule as he got things kicked off with his presser. We're in a sprint, right? Coach Coach Paterno used to always tell us to run scared, and uh, we're we're going to sprint. Like you know, we're 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 not we're not taking a break. Um, now the focus is just purely on the guys that are here. And um, as I said, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of winners on this team. There's a lot of guys that I need to do a great evaluation on to help them be the most successful they can be. Hey, should I play this position or that? What should I do? Um, so uh, I gave the coaches a couple days off here, um, but, you know, I'll, I'm here right now. I'm, I'll be here all week and we'll move here and out. And we're going to working on 2024s. We're working on 2025s. But most importantly, to your point, working on this team and getting ourselves ready to, to, to be in a good place for spring ball. So they are going to keep grinding, right? That's the hire. That's the need. The two most important positions, aside from quarterback, your offensive and defensive line. What kind of grind can you get out of the current roster and out of the new guys you brought? You got DeAndre Barnes. He is athletic. He is fast. He has got a nose for the football. He can also catch the football. So a good get late in the session from Satterfield out of Colorado. Sua Lafutu, defensive lineman. We've kind of highlighted him on Monday because of who he played for, top high school team in California that had a national schedule, who he's practiced against, his versatility and just good size and feet coming in at 6'3", 285. So he can play in the interior, can play on the outside, but he's one of those three you need uh, in this three-three-five. Demarius Bell, wide out from Memphis, 
a guy that Mickey Joseph had his eyes on, Nebraska able to close the deal on, uh, special top-end talent, speed, and, of course, uh, the ability to, to, to do all things in this route tree, right? Catch it short, go long, get over the middle, and do some things with yards after the catch. Your two Texans uh, from Coach Wager, you have uh, Jeremiah Charles. He is really nice after the catch, more of a shake-and-bake guy. And then Ishmael Smith-Flores, guy that's new to football. But, man, uh, you put some, some pounds on him, can flex him, can do a lot of things, comes from great lineage with his dad being uh, an Iowa football Hall of Famer. Uh, Ishmael could be special. So those are the five you added to the work he already put in. And then all of your portal guys are here too, which is great news. And I think following the presser today wasn't a name that was high on anyone's radar, but DeAndre Barnes, what a story that Matt Rule told today about how Marcus Satterfield went and found DeAndre Barnes, where it's an under-recruited kid. I think his best offer was maybe BYU, which he got a week or two ago. Like one of those, Wyoming and Coach Bull was in there too, yeah, but, but like, you're right, BYU's it. But one of those guys that really flashed by his senior year kind of was a late bloomer, and then... You know what? All the other recruiting's already been done with this early signing day in, in December. You already have your guys that you've been recruiting for two years, and he's a guy that ends up flying under the radar, and, and Satterfield just kind of, I don't want to say luck's his way into him because uh, you make your own luck through hard work, but it, it was it was luck at the end of the day how we found him. We can hear how, how Rule t- tells the story because I think he'll do a better job than me, but super interesting how Nebraska lucks their way into a guy like DeAndre Barnes. And here is Rule, and it's really all about senior film. Are you thorough enough as a staff, as a head coach, as an evaluator, to, to, to not to not miss or or be impatient, right? You know some guys who had great senior film? Well, Kenny Bell. You know some guys who had great senior film? Amir Abdullah. Mm. Those, those are two names that, that coaches have raved about, and they just were a little bit from a late-blooming standpoint. And that, man, there's so many of those kids out there, and if you get them, well, man. man. The mentality is already there. You got to coach him up, but that senior film dude—that was—that was a goldmine forever for Nebraska football. And, I mean, one of the greatest late bloomers of all time from a high school point of view was a guy that we've been spending a lot of time talking about today. Tom Brady didn't get his first start on varsity until I want to say like ten games into his junior year, and then goes his senior year and goes and uh, performs really, really well, earns himself an offer to Michigan. But like. One of those guys that you talk about quarterbacks now, Dylan Rail is starting on varsity as a freshman. That, that's, that's what type of high-level quarterback we talk about nowadays in terms of how poured over these quarterback recruiting rankings are. Tom Brady didn't even start pretty much until his senior year in vars- as, on varsity as a high schooler. Like, that's craziness, and, and that's what this coaching staff has made a point of, of going and trying to find. You know what? These guys that have flown under the radar because they didn't finally pop until their senior year. And, and I think DeAndre Barnes kind of fits the bill of one of those guys. Here is uh, Coach Rule on Satterfield and the recruitment of, of Barnes, the corner from Colorado. I do like the fact that, you know, we're, we're, we're still old school. We're a lot of teams are fly in somewhere and they'll go see three or four schools in that area. We're going to go try to affect high schools. We're going to go see eight, nine, uh, ten high schools. Um, Marcus Satterfield was in Denver working on 2024s in Colorado and as he was kind of driving by a school and it wasn't on his list, so he called the coach said, hey, can I come in? And as he's talking to the coach, the coach says, hey, listen, I got this kid that's under the radar that that um, you know no one really knows about. And uh, I think we're, some people are recruiting him, but I think we're missing out on him. And, uh, you know, he signed today. DeAndre signed today. And, um, you know, he hits all the metrics that we look for. He's, you know, 10-6. Um, he's uh, smart. He's big. And so 
to me, the reason why you go out and see as many schools as you do is so that when people do have a transfer, when they do have an under-the-radar guy, they pick up the phone and call the University of Nebraska because they know that they have relationships with the coaches. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. And it's uh, due diligence that you hear talked about a lot, but it's been put into action by this staff. Uh, Let's hear about some of the holes on the roster. What do you need immediate help with? What is available that we just don't know about that that needs to be coached up? And Coach Rule, again, made it a point to say, look, um, we don't know what we don't know. We haven't we haven't talked to these guys. We haven't we haven't coached them yet. I mean, right now it's it's winter conditioning. So kind of toss some of the labels away with this position group's bad. So a little bit more from Rule here on, on filling out this roster and really good job of hustling here in short order by the Nebraska staff. I think we, have, we all have to be very careful about talking about, well, they're really bad at this position because these kids are still 18 to 22. They're not NFL players, right? So they're developing. So I, I can't comment on positions yet because um, I haven't coached them. You know, I think after the spring, like I said, I, I think there's probably a lot of guys. Like I have two guys that played for me in college that are playing in the Super Bowl, Hassan Reddick, and he's going you know, to play edge, what they call edge now, outside backer, DN. He didn't come to college as an outside backer. I have Sean Bradley, who unfortunately is on IR right now, but he's a linebacker. He, he wasn't a linebacker in high school. So some of the real magic that I think good staffs do is they find the right position for players. Like, hey, you know what? You're a good D-end, but I think you could be a great uh, tackle. You're a, hey, you're a good outside backer. I think you could be a great fullback maybe. So I think that's part of our magic. In terms of scholarship numbers at positions, we're still not where I would want to be on the O-line. You know, like, you know, I'd like to always be at 16 scholarship offensive linemen. Watching some of the non-scholarship O-linemen move, they look like scholarship O-linemen at uh, places I've been, but I haven't seen them play, so I have to watch. But that's one area probably to me. We're probably, you know, obviously we're over on scholarships right now. Uh, there's so many new rules now that allow you to do some things to get to get there, so we'll, we'll work on that as we go. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of remade the team. Um, and I think the team that's here, they're remaking themselves in the weight room right now. A lot of guys look significantly different to me just after a couple weeks. Let's go to the phones real quick. Paul with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Paul, go ahead. Thanks for calling. Hey, guys. Um, our big worry when they announced uh, the coaching change here to uh, Matt Rule was losing uh, Bill Bush and uh, Coach Joseph and uh, Coach Applewhite. And the thought was that you needed an ace recruit, and those guys really seem to have recruiting down. Well, now we've seen the recruiting class that Rule and his uh, staff that doesn't really include anyone other than uh, Rayola from the old staff. What do we think? Well, they're thorough, right? And, and they've got a, a fit and a system, and they, they have an identity. They want speed, and they want athleticism. And Rule touched on why he kind of leans towards track athletes, it's a, it's a mentality standpoint. So sure. I think Bill Bush is still an incredible recruiter. I still think Mickey Joseph's a phenomenal recruiter. And uh, I think Applewhite's damn good as well. So but I think people may have been just underselling this Husker coaching staff in terms of their recruiting acumen because they go out and work hard. And that's we, probably, what, 75% of recruiting is going out and working hard and building those connections, building those relationships. It comes down to, to hard work like almost anything else in life. I, here's here's the thing as far as the, 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 the breaks on, man, it would have been nice to have the three former guys on staff. You've seen what they've done, right? And yeah. I know I know Baylor, I know, I know there's a lot of NFL guys from Temple, but you had it kind of in your face with the history of Bush, of Mickey, 
uh, and, and Applewhite. Applewhite still has a couple running backs, right, <laughs> on on the roster here. So sure. that was the, the pause. I, I think the work that's being done and the evaluation, uh, we'll see. It's never an exact science with recruiting, but between the development and, and their mold, I think it can work okay. Do we think that we're getting uh, the highest quality of uh, standout uh, athletes? I think we got a bunch of three stars in this class. I know the stars oftentimes don't mean crap, but mm-hmm. it's what well, it is. The, 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 well, a lot of the, the four stars that were brought in beforehand never materialized either. Yeah, so they never stuck around, and maybe yeah. they were overrated. You never know. I mean, that's just the thing. Is I think Rule will do everything he can to get guys to stick around and get them better. Paul, up against it. Thanks for the question. Thank Thanks for the phone call. Mike Babcock's on the way with Hale Varsity. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up here in about uh, 30 minutes or so, Russ Hochstein, thoughts on Tom Brady, his teammate, longtime friend, and uh, retirement 2.0 for TB12. More from Matt Rule here coming up on Signing Day. Mike Babcock with us, historian, author, Hall of Famer, our own GOAT with Hale Varsity. Babbers, uh, signing day is officially in the books. 11 portal, 28 high schoolers, and a new staff that uh, put a lot of miles on between Omaha, Lincoln, and everywhere else in the uh, the other 91 counties. Your take on this staff, to kind of piggyback off our caller, Paul, what do you think of, of this staff and their recruiting? I know two, three years down the road we'll have the answer, but on the surface right now, What's your reaction to this recruiting hall for Nebraska? Um, I liked how aggressive they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the fact that they looked for players that they thought thought fit their system rather than just looked at how many stars does this guy have. Um, the the anecdote today about the uh, you know driving along and and calling up the coach and stopping and getting the getting the, the player was kind of running under the radar. I think that's reflective of what I think this staff is doing. We froze Babbers. It was going to be incredible. He just disappeared. <laughs> Do you have us back? I we all turned into circles. Uh huh. Which I look better as a circle. You know what? Um, you that or a grateful you that or a grateful dead show, Babbers. <laughs> I just think the uh, I think the approach is the right way. Now, and the emphasis on development because I think in Nebraska that's what you have to do. That you know that's that's part of it. I think and and to be committed to that I think is is very important for a coaching staff. Mike, what do you just make of, of how Matt Rule has been handling his first couple press conferences since becoming Nebraska's head coach? Every single time I, I come away just feeling impressed. He seems like a guy who gets Nebraska, and I think that is reflective of the, the amount of work he did 
before taking this job researching Nebraska, I don't want to say he's saying what the people want to hear, but I feel like he has a plan in place and he's able to articulate his plan in a way that's going to keep Husker fans happy. Uh, yeah, I, I think research is the right word, Elijah. And, you know, I, I agree. I don't think he's saying what Nebraska fans want to hear. I think he's saying what Nebraska fans should hear, which is reflective of his the research that he's done um, beforehand. And, you know, he's very articulate. He's a good public speaker. That's obvious. Uh, he's a very engaging guy. And, uh, you know, I think that reporters relate to that. And uh, he, he seems to be very open about things. Um, I, I just, I've been impressed when I've had the opportunity to listen to him. Because again, I think he's done his research. I think he understands as well as you can in the short period of time, what Nebraska is all about. And I think he's approaching his coaching uh, in, in in accordance with what it has determined is the Nebraska way of doing things and what the what the atmosphere is here. Mike Babcock with us from HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Get your subscription today. The print edition, the digital, uh, of course, content, incredible. HailVarsity.com backslash offer is where you go. Mike, uh, as we put it together concerns for you or do you think it'll get managed the right way when we talk roster numbers he didn't really have an answer for that he's going to coach during the spring and then figure it out but you look at the scholarship numbers that currently exist versus what you're allowed to have well i you know brady oatman's kind of explained this to me i was a little bit confused about how this works with with the numbers thing um Apparently, it's a situation where uh, you get through spring and then you look at it and you say, okay, we'll help certain guys make transfers if it looks like they're in a situation where that would be in their best interest. In other words, they're probably not going to fit into this uh, 85 scholarship limit or whatever whatever you have. Um, uh, The other thing is, uh, as I understand it now, there's a there's a sort of a change in the way these things work. So if a student athlete is in a position at the end of spring practice to where it doesn't look like he's going to fit into the system and he's going to be part of the program, he can still remain a student and have the benefits that he, that he would have had as a scholarship uh, student athlete. He just wouldn't be part of the team uh, in, in that sense anymore. So I think that to me, that's kind of the way it probably all of, always should have been, you know, is that this student can have the opportunity to, to remain a student because I think you have to still emphasize that. And that's one of the things that I, that I was impressed with uh, Coach Rule today. Student athlete. It's not athlete. It's student athlete. And you can't dismiss that part of it. And uh, apparently the rules have been adjusted to accommodate that if that – student athlete doesn't find another school to transfer to a, a program where where he might be comfortable. Yeah, and that was uh, utilized by Lincoln Riley last season with USC. That was kind of the first big-time usage of that rule that we saw where I think he got 
10 to 15 guys off his roster that way uh, by saying, you know what, you guys can remain students at USC, remain on scholarship, you get all the benefits, you get the dining hall, you get the the mental health services, you get the tutoring, anything you want, you're just not a part of the team. And uh, a lot of schools have, I think, taken note of that. And I wonder what Matt Rule's method is going to be with that because he he did say he doesn't want to do that in his introductory press conference he said he didn't want to be a guy who's removing guys off scholarship and kicking them off the team or not kicking them off the team but uh, you get what I'm saying mm-hmm. you know uh, taking a spot that was theirs and giving it to somebody else but that's the way the world works I guess Mike with, with college football nowadays that at the end of the day you have to be below 85 there's no ifs ands or buts about it so sometimes you have to make some hard decisions yeah I think that's right and again the loss so uh, have the ability to help uh, student athletes look for other programs where they might be able to fit in and transfer portal, utilize the transfer portal to their advantage in that sense. But yeah, you have to make, you're going to have to make some difficult decisions because that ceiling on the number of scholarship uh, athletes that you have, student athletes that you have, isn't going to change. So you've got to, you've got to meet that. And as you're changing the system, and you're trying to develop players, you know, there are going to be some that don't fit into this system. And, that, you know, they're probably going to realize that. They're probably going to be the ones that come and say, hey, can you help me uh, in the transfer portal? Can you make some recommendations, make some phone calls or whatever uh, it might take um, to, to get those uh, get those student athletes in a good position? Mike Babcock is with us from Hale Varsity. Mike, before we get you out, bud, going to – Get your thoughts on Nebraska-Illinois last night. I know uh, the streaks now at, at four for Husker Hoops. They were right there, didn't have a great finish to it. Uh, I know there's been some some inconsistency. Uh, there's been more turnovers than you like. Uh, there's just a lot of resolve, though, with this basketball team. And I don't know if it'll get better Saturday or not against Penn State, but uh, they, they, were, they were right there. Didn't quite get the cover, uh, Elijah, but... Uh, man, they gave Illinois a lot of what they didn't want for much of the evening. Yeah, you know, the, the first half uh, looked good, and the second half caused me to have some discussions with my television about some of the things <laughs> that happened there, but specifically the turnovers. There there were like, what, 14 or 15 turnovers in the second half, mm-hmm. and things just kind of fell apart. I mean, it's it's been kind of a scenario for, for Husker Hoops uh, the men's hoops is that, that you know, they'll have a, a stretch where they play really well, and then all of a sudden everything kind of comes un, undone. And uh, it kind of hurt that uh, Derek Walker got five fouls and fouled out. You know, I don't think he gets quite the, uh, you know, Fred Hoiberg made the comment about officials and, and uh, you know, maybe how he got treated compared to some of the more high-profile players in the, in the conference. Um but, uh, yeah, that, the second half was just a disappointment because I really thought that the Huskers were in a position where they could pull the upset. Mike, have you shifted your focus to, to baseball season just yet, or are you still, uh, you know, invested in this Husker basketball team as it stands right now? I'm still paying attention to basketball. I, I got I to gotta take a look at baseball, and I see there's a news conference with baseball and softball coming up next week. Um, I got to catch up here because there's a lot of news faces on the baseball team too uh that's going to be a, a whole new situation and i saw the uh rankings uh baseball writers the uh, baseball writers rankings there are only two big 10 teams that were even 
even got any kind of uh, mention that Nebraska wasn't it, and that was uh, the top 40 or something like that. I mean, it's um, – so that's probably a good sign because when Nebraska wasn't highly ranked two seasons ago, um, you win the conference and then you are highly ranked and you don't you don't get in the uh, the top uh, seven or eight. So, well, Will, Will Bolt um, seems yeah, like I the type – the, the type of coach that can take that and, and turn that into motivation. The fact that, you know what, everyone's sleeping on you. You're, you're two years removed from a, a Big Ten championship, and now people want to write you off. It's also a dogfight to get a a roster spot. I mean, they oh, yeah. have more kids than, than roster spots available right now. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a reality. Right. It's going to be competition for sure. Uh, yeah, and, that, and you're right. That's that's Will Bolt. He'll develop and he'll, he'll push them to be the best they can be. They're question about that mike what's uh coming up from you and the crew at hale varsity here uh this week um you know we're planning out the next issue of the magazine and uh coming up pretty fast so i uh, got to get some stuff i think we're going to have a softball feature that uh, uh drake's doing um and uh i think we're still working on maybe what the other main feature is going to be but uh Oh, uh, yeah, it, it comes around quickly and uh, doesn't seem like it once a month. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but it comes around pretty fast. So I say that about um, my uh, my rent every single month, too. It, it, yeah, it, it hits you. Uh, <laughs> Matt Hansen asking 18 turnovers. Yeah, they finished with 18. They had, what, 15 in the second half. They made uh, a few field goals, 19 points, 15 turnovers was uh, was absolutely and. Good old Fred's going to lose it here at some point if the refereeing keeps being as inconsistent as it's been, not just for Nebraska, but league-wide has been kind of a nightmare this year. Babbers, we'll check in with you next week. Thanks for giving us some time today, bud. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. There he is, Mike Babcock with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Some more thoughts from Coach Rule, signing day 2.0. And then uh, reaction and reflection on his friend, Tom Brady, from Russ Hochstein, former Husker and New England Patriot chief and Denver Bronco. Hail Varsity continues. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mike Babcock. Yeah, the interview with Babbers. Thoughts on the signing class and Husker football. That'll be posted Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and also on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Full show or snippets of the show, different segments for you. And uh, you can check that out, subscribe, and uh, follow uh, for sure. So, Georgia been on our mind as uh, Nebraska folks who cover Nebraska football 
and you Nebraska fans with uh, the influx of well, guys that have won national championships. So in some cases, back-to-back championships. Rule was asked about that Georgia connection at signing day today, part of the, uh, the portal infusion here for the Big Red. You know, obviously they played till late, so they had a they had a limited window because those guys all went into the portal after, except for Eric after it was over with. But yeah, you know Fran. Um, you know, as I get older, guys who've coached for me now go on. Like you know, Fran was, you know, a GA and then a position coach, and now he's really one of the top assistants in the country. Should be a head coach, and will be a head coach. And um, you know, as guys were going in, hey, coach, this is a guy that fits you. He kind of knows how I am, the way I want to do things, the process that we'll want to have, the character of the guys that we want, the work ethic. So he was able to tell me about them and then also tell them about us and what we're doing here and then kind of let us recruit from there. Um, a guy like, even like a guy like Eric, you know, Jake Peets, who I worked with, you know, was a Nebraska alum. Um, he had had him at LSU, so or had gotten there as he was leaving LSU. So even, even guys that had played with some of these guys who had played, I coached in the NFL, were able to kind of speak on them. So I think a big thing is as you bring transfers in is why are they transferring? Um, why do they want to be here? And I think all those guys, to me um, – I mean, uh, they're, they're really good players, and they have a chance to help us. But they also have the right mindset to play, you know, at Nebraska. Jake Peets is going to be uh, – will be a major unsung hero for Nebraska football if this thing pops with rule. If Nebraska's back on track, winning eight, nine, ten ball games a year, because Jake Peets is a trusted voice for Matt Rule, and – Jake Peets is a guy that's done NFL time for sure, but also uh, the former walk-on from O'Neill. So Peets is is somebody that is really trusted by rule, and that's a, a, a similar connection, right? Well, we had this freshman tight end that was incredible that we got the ball to for 500-some uh, yards or close to and handful of touchdowns. Here's the pros, here's the cons, and – Go get him. Uh, more on tight end Eric Gilbert. And we're excited for his ability to, to watch a, a dude like that perform at tight end. But there's a, a lot more to just than playing for Nebraska. Coach Rule spent some time on Eric Gilbert today. Yeah, I, I just think, um, you know, he's as talented a player as there is. Okay, so he's, he's, he's a player. What we want to do is... Like with all of our players, you know, I want him in, in 10 years to say his life is better for having played for us at Nebraska, right? That's all I care about with all these guys. So um, what that means for him, I'm just getting to know him. Um, I want him to have elite success in the classroom. I want him to go be involved in the community. I want him to have great relationships, and I want him to go play well in football. Um, if Eric if Eric gets on the field for us, uh, the football for him comes naturally, but we're going to push him to be the best that he can be. And so I think there's a lot of talent there. But with a lot of these guys, there's a lot of talent. You know, we just have to we just have to harness it and help them develop it, uh, get them on the field, get them to trust us, um, and then uh, turn them loose. Do you think? Do you think trust is a hard? I mean, you got to earn trust clearly. But is is rule a guy that guys that are that are the holdovers? Elijah, you think they're going to have a hard time trusting him? NFL background, you've got – listen, he has not done anything to dissuade that trust. He's just new, and sometimes new is different, and it takes a little while to warm up to. Well, it's a process, but, like, 
ever watched Survivor? I've seen people never. gain trust with people they've never met before in their life, don't know anything about their backstory, and they're building trust with them within five days. And I understand Survivor is not the real world. Survivor is not college football. But, like, just because of somebody's background doesn't mean you can't trust somebody. It all, it all comes down to somebody's actions matching their words. And uh, over a, a repeated portion of time, you 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 build that trust with somebody whenever they, they continue to to have their words match up with their actions. And and I, I don't sit here and say, oh, well, these guys are coming from a new staff, so they're not going to trust Rule, or Rule's an NFL coach, so they're not going to trust Rule. It, it's a case-by-case case basis, but, like, like I, I literally go back to Survivor, and I say if people can trust their, the other Survivor contestants, who the whole point of the game in Survivor is to go out and backstab people and win it all for yourself, like, and they're trusting these people after five days. So it all comes down to a case-by-case case basis. Listen, you hit it, and it's actions and words. And they've been pretty much in lockstep since he's been here. Mm-hmm. And and I think that shows a lot for, you know, guys that are, are, are holdovers because you're going to need a lot of those guys. A big thing to me is that you've had no departures from the offensive line. And, and hey, that, a lot of that has to do with Coach Donnie. A lot of that has to do with retaining him. But they would not have settled – especially in that spot. The good news is there's five guys that have coached offensive line on this staff along with your 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 still your offensive line coach. So I think I think the the topic of trust is something that's very real, it's focused on, it's talked about and it's earned because those actions are are demonstrated on a day-to-day basis. I mean, a lot of times rule talks about when when the camera ain't on, right? Or when no one's looking, and, and that's just it. Everyone's got your own different uh, alter egos. I get it, but it seems like there's some consistency, and you need to have consistency with your head coach. Well, let's also remember that trust is a two-way street. It's not just about the players being able to trust Matt Rule. It's about Matt Rule being able to trust these players as well, and right now we're in the process of Matt Rule just trying to get to know these guys. These guys are just trying to get to know Matt Rule. He talks about it days. Like I, I'm trying to, to learn the names of 150 new dudes while I'm on the recruiting trail and and I have to ask these guys their names like for the first month like hey whenever you come up and talk to me make sure you give me your name because I gotta I gotta learn that first and that's I guess one of the things that you don't even think about is the fact that you know he's, he's had a month on the job but that month on the job has been spent trying to build this roster and trying to go out and find kids and you still have those those kids at home so I mean a month into this there could be a lot of trust built up. There could be no trust built up. I mean, it's no inside information from me here, but it's a, it's a two-way street of Matt Rule has to learn to trust these guys in addition to these guys learning to trust Matt Rule. Sure. No, it's not one way. Uh, I mean, it just it just doesn't work that way. More from Rule here, specifically the topic of hard work. And I think Nebraska fans have appreciated the effort put in, uh, and Rule was the first to say that's, that's kind of our, our job. It's not easy to work here. The standards are high. Like, you guys have done a really nice job making a big deal about Ed going around. And I think it, like, Ed's doing what we've always done. Like, going to eight schools a day in the state of Nebraska is the bare minimum. It's, we're not doing something special. We're not like, oh, wow, look how hard they work. We're just doing our jobs. <laughs> we're showing up and doing our jobs. Stopping at a high school and they, them having a cup of coffee and the special, the special education, special needs students are giving away coffee and taking a picture with them, that's... That's called being hardworking. And the people of Nebraska work way harder than us. That, that I know. I've been, to, I've been to some small towns. I've been to the cities now. I've seen people, people in the state. You guys work hard. So we're not going to celebrate ourselves for working hard. We're going to celebrate ourselves for 
having a purpose where we're trying to help young people have better lives. That's really, that's really what's important. The working hard is because we want to win too. Good explanation there. Final thoughts from Rule Hour One. Russ Hochstein on Tom Brady next hour. And Evan Bland will be with us on Hale Varsity. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency and be sure to buckle up. This winter, using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. More from Coach Rule signing day 2.0. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Give us a follow or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Find the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle as well at HVarsity Radio. So... Uh, we talked about the topic of trust and how that seems pretty pretty good right now. Uh, even even though it's winter conditioning and it's not spring ball yet, I think you're going to get uh, asked and answered pretty straight shots from the head coach and every time he's been in front of us. And it's been a whirlwind, right? I mean, you've had... You've had Bo, uh, you, you've had Riles, you've had Frosty, you, now you have Matt Rule, and there seems to be uh, a sincereness. Now, the guy's great at talking, but he's absolutely been uh, pretty nails with, with how he wants to go about it. Will, it, I, will it translate to, to wins and success? And I liked what Mike said about Matt Rule. Where it's, it's not, he's, he's not saying what Husker fans want to hear saying what they deserve to hear i really like that take from mike and mm-hmm. that yeah this is what husker fans want to hear but it, it comes from the research and it's not a lip service type thing i think is the, the point of what matt mike is trying to get there is it's not lip service what matt rule is telling us when he gets in front of the media it's just a guy who's well prepared he did his research and you know what he, he understands the type of team and the type of program the husker fans want and he's here to execute his plan in a way that aligns with what husker fans want to see and and i guess that that's a, a trust thing with fans is are you trusting what Matt Rule is saying? And that's going to be proven on the field. His oh, his words line up with his actions. And if they do, I think Husker fans are going to be very, very happy with this hire because I mean he says all the right things. Mm-hmm. And now the question is, can he go execute all those things that he's saying? Sure. And and that's uh, that's a process to uh, to get that execution and the mentality. He hit on both uh, the process and the mentality here as they move forward. I think one of the things I'm trying to teach the team because because. Sometimes we can, we can always be very outcome-based. Like, I want to go to a bowl game next year. Uh, it's like, oh, just worry about today. The other thing is, you know, I'm worried about the team. I'm going to worry about these guys. Just, just, if everybody just gets 1% better every day, if the best way to improve the team is to improve yourself. So that, that model, hey, just improve yourself, and then other people will follow you. So, like, if quarter, quarterbacks are going to have voluntary throwing on their own and they show up five minutes early and they're prepared, and then that will have an impact on everybody else. Uh, what we don't need is a bunch of guys like we don't need every highlight video with people talking, right? We just need people doing. Christian McCaffrey said something to me great one time. He said, you know, we just need to play loud. 
Like, everyone wants to talk. Just play loud. And so the quarterbacks, to me, they can just be serious about themselves academically, athletically, and in the community. They can be the same guy when the coaches aren't around as when the coaches are around. And that sends a real message to the team. And then, you know what, when they know everybody's name on the team and they know the people that work in the cafeteria's names, and they, then they become someone that people want to follow. And um, so I, I like the group. You know, we have a couple guys that won't be able to do spring because of their shoulders, right? You know, Logan and, and, and uh, Casey won't be able to do that. Uh, there'll be a time here soon where we'll start working on football. They've got to learn a lot of X's and O's and a lot of different things. But right now I just want them working on themselves. Um, and n- invariably they have enough charisma that people will follow them. Good take on the quarterbacks. Uh, I like that that tag, playing loud. Guy who played louder than his draft status, Tom Brady. The GOAT retiring. His teammate and dear friend Russ Oakstein next. Hail Varsity Hour 2, presented by Currency. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, Husker standout and two-time Super Bowl champ Russ Oakstein back with us. Russ, we uh, end up talking with each other quite a bit this time of year, either for Super Bowls or retirements. The topic today, retirement, and uh, your dear friend Tom Brady hanging him up. Do you believe, Russ, that this is for good? Uh, well, it's a great question. It's a loaded question to start with, but uh, I would uh, never say never. Um, but uh, I listened and watched the same Twitter uh, feed that you guys did, and he seems pretty genuine, and you just never know. Um, but, you know, he's already been through it once, and now this will be the second time. I would have a hard time believing that um, he's not really retiring, and I uh, I think he's done once and for all. I don't think he wants to come back and and be compared to anybody, any other quarterbacks that have done it multiple times. So I, I would assume he's done for good, and uh, we will see where he ends up. How is he going to take that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, I, You know, 
I'm a former player, and when your day is done, and and you uh, and mine was many years ago already. Um, but uh, it, at first, it gets a little. Uh, it's weird because you've had such a structured life for so many years, and then you you now have all this time and this this ability and some money to to go do some things that you want to do. Um, so I hope he enjoys it. I hope he takes a little time away and enjoys it all. Um, I, I understand there's a pretty nice contract laying out there from Fox um, to get in the booth or to uh, to help him in the sports talk world or sports uh, TV world. So um, it looks like he's kind of got somewhat of a future planned out for himself, but who knows? Um, you just never know, and, and uh, I just wish him the best. It's a sad day. Um, he is the greatest of all time, and it's uh, any time a great retires, it hurts a little bit. It takes away from the game just a little bit, um, and maybe opens the door for the next talents to come in. Russ, tell me about that that moment of realization for you that you know what it was time to hang up the cleats. It was time to end the playing career. Was it a, a long walk on the beach like Tom Brady? <laughs> no, no, I uh, mine was not. Mine was you know I had already played and uh, completed twelve years in my career and. I kind of came to the realization that I was I was 35 going on to 36, and to go through another training camp. Back in the days when we actually hit a little bit more um, than they do currently, um, it was a lot more physical back then as far as getting to training camp. And when you get older, that gets a little bit harder. Um, a lot of maintenance on the body, a lot of time in the training room and, and the weight room. To to the older you get, the harder you have to work to stay on the field, and uh, that gets exhausting and uh, it takes away from a lot of things you do. And so, uh, you know, I kind of came to the realization I didn't want to go to the 13th training camp, um, but I would have, you know, would have absolutely loved to have got a phone call after training camp at my age <laughs> if somebody bring me in and, and let me be a swing guy uh, for them and help them up front. But uh, my phone calls never came, and probably, you know, you go about a month or two into the season and you realize, well, I guess the phone's not going to ring. It's time to uh, start planning out my future, and that's kind of when it really hits. And then um, – and then the next stage is, is kind of figuring out what you want to do. You're, there's also a little fear that comes into that, like, man, what am I going to do? And uh, how am I going to, you know, who am I going to help? Who am I going to work for? What am I going to do? And things like that. But uh, like anything, you got to deal with it step by step and, and kind of take it from there. Russ Hochstein joining us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, a lot of playoff wins, two Super Bowls with Tom. And what's Tom like Kind of behind the curtain, I saw a really good story today from a teammate's wife who worked at an animal shelter, and Tom would take his kids, and they'd they'd spend time with uh, each week and, and work with with puppies or dogs. So that was a family moment, which was really cool. You've had more camaraderie than most with teammates and in in the Belichick kind of regime. So give us a a peek into the the personality of Tom. We see him one way on the field, and and I would assume you see him that same way on the practice field, but away from the field, uh, what, what's Tom like to be around? Well, I mean, I think you just summed it up pretty well there. On the field, he was tenacious, and he's a great competitor and hated to lose. Um, I think we all know that. It's well documented. Mm-hmm. And off the field, he is just one of us. Um, I, I always felt... Tom, you could. Tom would talk to anybody that was around him in the locker room. There was no, "Hey, I'm better than you" or anything like that. He was simply just kind of one of the teammates you had, um, and you joked around with, you played pranks with, you pulled pranks on. Um, you had to be careful pulling a prank on a guy that had a lot more money than you because it, it could get really ugly for you. Um, 
But with that being said, literally, you go out and have a beer with you and, and go out and have dinner with the O-line and, and, uh, and be a part of all those things. And, and uh, you know, certainly in my era, I mean, that's obviously when he was kind of on his rise, there's ascension into greatness. Um, and maybe changed a little bit later in his career. And it gets harder, too, you know, when, when you get older in the league and you get past that 10-year mark and uh, you're kind of the old guy in the room. And, and you're, you're, uh, you're, you know, what you want to do after practice and after games changes compared to what it was when you're in your 20s and you want to go out and have a little fun and, and uh, hang with the guys, go catch a movie, things like that. Now you're married, you have kids, and you got a lot of different uh, – um, issues to deal with. So, uh, but yet I absolutely always looked at Tom as one of us and one of he was a band of brothers. He was just uh, one of the greatest teammates I had. Uh, he was a great leader. Uh, he's a great example. I mean, you can look over his career. Any young kids out there today listening, you can look at a guy like him, and he was a role model, and he acted that way. And he was he was very put together. He he's very polished. You never really heard him um, get out of line in the media. Um, off the field at all, um, or in much trouble. So, you know, you can't ask for a, a better role model in that situation. And, and uh, just a great guy. Uh, I plan on hopefully someday being at his Hall of Fame induction. Um, I'm pretty sure he's probably going to be in the Ring of Fame up here in New England. And uh, I definitely know he's going to be in Canton. So uh, hopefully I get to be around and, and give him a hug and a, and a handshake and congratulate him because it was a lot of fun to be a to be with him on that journey, and uh, and obviously the memories and the wins we had here is pretty amazing. I want to go into the pranks. Can you divulge anything? <laughs> they were good. They were good. Let's put it that way. I uh, I don't want to give people bad ideas or good ideas and expensive <laughs> ideas, uh, but there was always some good ones, and and uh, a couple. One of them involved somebody's vehicle in a parking lot with no tires on it when they came back from practice. So there's been some good pranks pulled over the years. Um, and, and that guy's been in the middle of them. And, uh, it, uh, I tell you what, his teammates loved them for it. We all loved them for it because you got to have a sense of humor. Um, and, you know, in football, you always have to joke. you got to kind of embrace the misery along with all the, all the uh, celebrations that you have. And so uh, keeping things lighthearted and fun was definitely a uh, part of Tom's game. Well, if you're not going to give me any ammunition for pranking my roommates, <laughs> Russ, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and, and just talk about his career as a whole as you remember it. Let's say uh, Tom's getting inducted into Canton and you're making a, a tribute video. Someone reaches out and says, Russ, give me the, the one trait from playing with Tom Brady that made him so great. What would your answer be? Oh, determination. Uh, probably comes to my mind more than anything. And I wasn't there. Uh, obviously, when he played in Atlanta, and he came, or sorry, when he came back in the Atlanta mm-hmm. Super Bowl, um, but that is something we saw, um, you know, in his younger years, all the way through the time, the seven years or eight years I played with him. Um, man, when he was on a practice field and in a game, the determination to win um, was always there. And it was, it was, you could see it in his eyes, his temperament, his mood, his leadership. Um, he hated to lose. And, um, you know, I, I was watching some shows not too long ago about talking about Michael Jordan, kind of the same way, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant. Um, and, and all the greats, Tiger Woods, they hate losing. And uh, he's obviously can be mentioned in, and should be in that group of, of gentlemen that I just mentioned. Um, just hated to lose, and it, it permeated him. And it, and it kind of it spread to every teammate around him. You understood the situation you're in. He's, a, he's there. We're going to do this. This is how we're going to do it. And bam. And he went out and did it and did it and did it. And, I mean, you look at his career, 
He was in 10 Super I mean, that's unbelievable in the modern-day era and free agency to be in 10 Super Bowls. He's got seven championships, uh, what, five Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, all the stats go with it, but it's just amazing to think that he was at the center of all of that over, a, you know, until he was 45 years old. is pretty amazing. I just look at him and I look at the quarterbacks in the NFL, and I was thinking, okay, what about San Francisco? Another year in Tampa. What about Vegas and McDaniel? What about New England, a reunion? He still can play at a high level. It's not what it was three years ago. And uh, listen, I can't throw a football 20 yards in a spiral, so I'm not not judging or knocking. I'm just saying at his age, you, you fall off. At all of our ages, you fall off a little bit. But still, with the right things around him, he can still go win a lot of ball games. I think he still has wins left in him. Well, I, and my response is, it is pretty amazing. He, there, I heard somebody say this on this morning. Tom wanted to play until you, you just absolutely can't play no more. And the, the, the hardest thing about all of this is watching a great like him is he was slinging the rock all the way through this year. Mm-hmm. Yes, is there is he maybe a little more skittish in the huddle and doesn't want to get you know beat up and and sacked a bunch of times? Yeah, maybe that changes over time. But man, when you watch him just throw a football, the pure throwing ability he still has and where he puts the ball and, 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 and directs traffic and, and blitz pickup and those things. There's guys, there's only maybe three or four guys in the league at this time that are also, by the way, 20 years younger than him that are even in his category. So it is still amazing to think he doesn't suck. He didn't play till his arm fell off, you know, or anything like that. He just simply was still smooth old Tom, go out and could still win a game at any time you know he threw for unbelievable numbers this year anyway um but it's the hardest thing for me is like god he's still got a lot i always look at him as these guys so much left in the tank yet like could he play till 50 and man would it be fun to watch him with the toys they have miami and vegas and san francisco it would be awesome and i would be i'd be front row and center to watch that happen um and i would love to see it really would and uh but i but you know what uh, it comes down to him, and, and none of us can speak for him, as we know. Everybody individually has to make their own decision. And, and uh, But it would be fun to watch with all those receivers and tight ends that are around the league in those three teams. And even more than that, there's a lot of other teams that he's really good on. But um, he just it, it's hard to watch a man walk away when he still, you still look at him and think, I, got a lot, I think he's got a lot left in the tank. Russ, do you think Tom Brady's one of those guys that no matter what his next venture in life is going to be, it's going to be successful? You, you mentioned potentially heading over to Fox and becoming a broadcaster. I think, uh, you know, you look at him and potential football coach, quarterbacks coach comes to mind as another option. Is he just one of those guys that, you know what, he's got the Midas touch, whatever he touches is going to turn to gold, and whatever he does with his next stage in life is going to turn to gold as well? Well, I think he's very calculated, and I think he's very bright, as you know. I mean, he's, you know, he's a quarterback. He's not dumb. There's this guy knows what he's doing, and, and I think he's he's smart enough to put himself in a good situation that's going to help himself succeed. Um, I have no idea if he'll be great in the broadcast booth. I, I've heard a lot of conversations today when I was driving on the road at Sports Talk Radio up here. was like, oh, who's he going to, you know, is he going to take over the number one spot right away for Fox and, you know, where Tony Romo stands and, and all these guys. And uh, whatever he does, I think he will be successful. I, I hope he is. I'm rooting for him. You know, he's a friend of mine, and, and, uh, you know, he has been so successful. So you just kind of naturally assume that, um, you know, here's one for you guys. Maybe you can start this rumor. I would love to see him being an owner of an NFL team. 
Wouldn't that be fun? I think he. I, th- I think he probably tried to get partial owner. I mean, I don't know this, <laughs> but I think I think with Miami, honestly, no, Russ, I, I, I don't. And I, and I know I heard all the same rumors and talk that you guys heard. And it has ever since I've heard that, that is fascinating because I've also heard similar things from a few other guys that are no longer in the league. But uh, I just think that's absolutely fascinating. And and you know, watching what Elway did in Denver those years and signing some big name free agents and how you can turn turn a uh, turn a franchise around i think he'd be really suited for that as well but who knows mm-hmm. you know that that takes a lot of work and time and commitment as well and uh knowing him he probably wants to be with his family a lot and uh you know that takes time russ last thought before we say goodbye and it's fun to get caught up with you nebraska a new head coach matt rule coming from the nfl he's a big line of scrimmage guy they really emphasize relationships uh, he said today at the presser that you know we're doing our job getting out to high schools, but Nebraska's been visiting about every school, big and small. What's that mean uh, to a, a small community when a Nebraska coach comes to visit and 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 take part? Because I know you're a guy from a great community that uh, that ended up uh, playing high level football in Lincoln. Oh, it means it means the world, you know. And I think Matt Rule's handling it really well, you know. Getting out, getting in the smaller communities, being seen, um, you know. Obviously, you, you, your time is limited as a coach, so you can't just drive around for the hell of it mm-hmm. and look at players. But I think he's probably got some kids that are targeted. There is a lot of good football played in small communities in Nebraska and and Indiana and Kansas and Oklahoma, South Dakota, all of our states, and we're rural and and. Uh, very rural areas, and and I think the notoriety, the name of kids, doesn't always get out there like it probably should to help promote the kid. Um, but I know in the modern day world, we're doing a much better job of that than even when I was there in the '90s. Um, but yeah, absolutely, it means a ton to those communities. Communities rally around their players, and uh, when you get to play in a rural, when you come from a rural community in Nebraska and go to the big town of Lincoln and get to play pick time football, um, it is special. Um, I, I lived it. Um, I am so thankful for all those people who rooted for me. Um, I still go back to my hometown. My family still lives there. I love it. I, I uh, would love to do it more often than I, than I am now. Uh, but it really does mean something, and it kind of galvanizes the entire state and helps bring on you know, and keep that fan base strong. Russ, we'll check in again soon. Thanks for your time today, bud. Hey, thank you guys, and stay warm. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Russ Hochstein, longtime Patriot, Bronco chief, friend, teammate, Tom Brady, his take on TB12's retirement. Let's get back to Nebraska football signing day and more insight from Coach Rule today. We say hi to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland, OWH. Evan, how we doing? Hey, yeah, you, you go from from Russ, who's an NFL you know guy, to uh, an intramural basketball all star here. So it's a little bit of a shift 
You know what? Shifts are okay, right? The the old shift <laughs> that worked on Mo Vaughn all those years. We'll keep it with the Boston well, well, flavor. Let's let's be clear here. An intramural All Star is a big deal. Like, what, what, what position are you rolling with, Evan? You you a post presence? You a point guard? You a shooter? Three and D type guy? What are you? You know, you know how you hear about like those guys who are guards and then they grow up and and they you know have the size and the ball handling. I was kind of the opposite. I like I I grew early, and so I kind of was a post, and then everyone else caught up with me, and I still was sort of a post. But uh, you know, I settled probably into a, a, a one of those three or or four. So you're like a, type a, spot. a Sam Greasel type that you know what you got you got the. Uh... The size more of a point guard or a shooting guard, but you're you're going to be much more willing to go post up these defenders than most other guards. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of had the old man YMCA game going like before before my time. You know, backing down a guy or being a little wily um, in the post. <laughs> so had to had to incorporate some some like smarts because the talent, like the athleticism, was merely average or, or probably a little below. So. Um, yeah, you know, you just have to pick your spots and, and contribute and know your strength, and that was kind of my role. Well, what do you think Matt Rule's strength is right now? Well, you know, it's funny. You, you hear stuff out of Carolina and, and their owners saying that they made a mistake in, in hiring a CEO coach in Matt Rule. Uh, I think that's exactly what he is at Nebraska, and that's exactly what he's what he was hired to be. And, I, you know, you hear him again at the press conference today, and he's just a guy who has his fingerprints on everything, like to the point, and, and you saw this today, Chris, like they rearranged the chairs at the press conference at the, at the stadium because, um, you know, it looks better and, and it's, it makes more sense for cameras and things like that. So this is a guy who, um, you know, has a, has a big picture vision and, and a clear idea of how he wants to go about things, but he's also extremely detail oriented um all the way down to that little stuff um you know in the stadium today we heard all sorts of stories about how they compiled this class um and i thought that was pretty notable i mean you get beyond just the sheer number of it 39 28 high schoolers juco's 11 transfers uh and a lot of it comes down to those little details right like making that extra phone call uh, which is is really how they ended up landing DeAndre Barnes, the defensive back out of out of the, the Denver area. Um, you know the the two Arlington Martin kids, Jeremiah Charles and Ismael Smith Flores. Yes, they had the connection with Bob Wegger, but um, you know they made that connection before he joined Nebraska's staff as tight ends coach. So it's just a staff um, you know that's that's clearly cohesive. They all the coaches we've heard from have talked about the family aspect. Matt Rule spoke today about. How, by his count now, there are 14 people um, within the program in some capacity who played for him at different stops. So I think you know those would be the two things to me is is um, you know an adherence to a vision, a really specific vision, um, and and then just the the cohesiveness among the staff and how they to a man um, have gone out and executed this thing after two months. I mean, you got to put down public speaking as a strength though too, right? Sure. Well, yeah, pure um, pure ability, yes, absolutely. And he tends to make that joke uh, at some of his stops about being the son of a preacher man. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know how much of that ability is inherited or how much you just kind of grow up learning and, and watching, um, you know, dad do his thing. Uh, but there's no doubt. Like, uh, I, I often think back to what Trev Alberts said a few months ago when they were talking about a prospective hire and saying you don't have to win the press conference and that's true, um, but he has. He, he continues to lay out visions and be thoughtful. And, uh, you know, if he can do that with 20 or 30 media types 
and in front of big crowds. He can absolutely do that in recruits' living rooms, and I think we've seen that certainly in the guys that I've spoken to who've committed in the last uh, month or so. They've just been impressed with him. And in, in some cases, you have to make that impression quickly, right? I mean, in terms of uh, the early signing period last month and now uh, the traditional one today, in a lot of these cases, these are players who didn't know Matt Rule or his staff beforehand. Uh, and so he has to, to be genuine. He has to make a case. He has to be convincing. And judging by the size and some of the upside that these guys have, I think it's pretty safe to say he's been both of those things. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald. Signing day thoughts, Matt Rule's presser today. And I was kind of wowed where he let a lot of us in the room know about the why and kind of a, a twist on what we normally talk about with complementary football, right? The offense, the defense, special teams. But uh, he went further down the well with it in a really good way that that I was impressed with. But it sounds to me like, again, back to the uh, the minute, minute details, I mean, that is going to win you games in the Big Ten, Evan, and he's all about teaching that. Sure, and, and I think the question was, was sort of hinting at this idea that, you know, you're going to maybe want to hold the ball a little longer in offense to protect your mm-hmm. defense. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, Chris, he took it in the direction of, of of you know guys understanding fully about the game understanding um you know if you're even if you're just running down the field uh for a breakaway score yeah you might be celebrating at the crowd but more than that you should be pointing to your you know your your lineman who sprung you loose or if you get a sack uh you should understand in the moment that it's probably because guys on the back end were doing their thing and and covering and things like that so yeah, I, I think it, it speaks to just the, the the culture of everything that's that's going on. And, and I mean, he took he took it off the field too. He, he mentioned, um, you know, even just with the lunches that they have, there's no more taking your box lunch and heading out and, and checking off, you know, your name off the list. Like you stay in the cafeteria, you interact, you get to know your teammates, um, all those different things. So I, I thought the line that he gave about how you know it, it doesn't it, it doesn't really mean anything but it means everything sort of uh, was true and 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 uh, you know another thing he talks about is being one percent better every day and if you take care of yourself and invest a little bit in the team then the team gets better um and I, I, you know i think that that can be powerful and if you see that lived out every day and you hear that message consistently um i can see how you know teams at, at temple at baylor bought into that and were better collectively and that's something that that nebraska has missed for all of its um, facilities and support structure and highly rated recruiting classes. I think the the culture piece and the consistency just in the day to day has been one of the things missing. And I think it's it's something clearly that Matt Rule believes in and and has been good at enforcing. Yeah, Evan, it almost feels like uh, culture is priority number one for Rule. And do you think that's a product of of that was what was necessary at places like Temple and, and Baylor that they needed the culture before you can start improving the talent? Or do you think that he's walked into Nebraska and has seen the talent and said, you know what, the talent is close. What this talent needs is culture. What's your read on why the culture is so important for Rule, at least through the first month? Well, you know, I, I think first of all, that's what he's known. I mean, you, you look back at what he did at Temple and, and at Baylor, and it was very similar to how things have come together here. I mean, he made hires of of people that he trusted, maybe former players. Um, you know, he, he, he took a chance on some guys that he believed in from high school, the high school ranks, or maybe some 
uh, sort of off the field uh, personnel roles and put them into on field roles because he believed in them. And so I think that's, in terms of the staff, certainly that's how he's brought things about. And, you know, the other thing that Nebraska hasn't had largely uh, in the last 20 years is a, a coach who's come in and had sort of a uh, an established culture, right? Like so many times there have been coaches uh, who are either sort of learning on the job or, or on the back end of their career. And, you know, I think Matt Rule turned 48 yesterday. He's, he's still a young man in terms of the head coaching profession. So uh, he, he seems like he's in that sweet spot where he knows who he is. He knows what uh, he wants his program to be about. And there's still that you know, that youthful zeal to, to see what things can become and to believe that maybe his best days as a football coach are still ahead. And so, um, you know, I, we'll see how it manifests on the field, but it does feel like you take a guy who has the track record of strong um, cultures at different places and you mesh that with the Nebraska support and the facilities and, uh, you know, everything that we hear about the program as strengths. And it is, it, it's going to be really interesting because, um, you know, one of the things in, in my opinion, certainly when you look back on the struggles of Nebraska football over the last 20 years, uh, one of the big things has been a lack of identity. What is this program about uh, off the field? What is it about on the field? It's changed so much, and it feels like having that firm foundation um, is just what this program needs to take that next step and get back into national relevance. Evan Bland with us, Omaha World Herald, talking Matt Rule, signing day presser today. Evan, real quick, is there a a guy that you're intrigued by? You mentioned Barnes a little bit, but the, the the four other kids that were late additions to this class to make up the 28 high schoolers. Yeah, it's you know there were so many interesting stories in this class, and it's it's interesting uh, in this particular cycle that they were able to add five more signees from from the prep uh, ranks. Most of these guys, I think, with the exception of Demetrius Bell, didn't even have an offer until mid January, and so Nebraska moved quickly on them, and that's again a strength to. Uh, the conviction that Matt Rule and his staff have uh, with track measurables and speed and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, I, I think Ismail Smith-Flores is fascinating to me, one of the Arlington kids. Uh, obviously, his dad at Iowa was, a uh, you know, an All-American type defensive end for them. Um, you know, he has all the, the, all the, the measurables you're talking about, too, the track speed and the explosiveness, um, as does his teammate Jeremiah Charles. But, you know, those guys are fascinating because it's such a, a pivot from what we're used to in recruiting now, where you're seeing guys in eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade get offers um, and then continue in the process. These guys are sort of old school throwbacks where, um, you know, maybe they were late bloomers. Maybe they didn't pop until after their senior years. And so it'll be fascinating to see if if that translates um, to into their college careers and what sort of hit rate we have there. Um, but, but I do, I think a, a guy with the, the lineage that Smith Flores has um, and the explosiveness that he showed makes him a really interesting prospect early in his college career. Evan Bland with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Elijah and I were chatting about some of the, the, the senior film guys that were staples for some of Nebraska's better teams uh, in the last 10 years. And, and that's, a guy like Quincy Anunwa, Amir Abdullah, uh, two names for sure. Kenny Bell. Kenny Bell. I mean, those were those were senior film guys that 
guys weren't sure on, but Nebraska sure hit on. So, yeah, getting back to that, uh, trusting your eyes and being thorough is big. Evan, we'll catch up next week and talk some baseball. Thanks again for making time today. You got it, guys. Thanks. There he is. Good to hear from Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. A jock doc on the way with Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Dr. Brandon, the uh, fairy tale and the Cinderella run of San Fran came to a crashing halt. Brock Purdy on the sideline, got hit, complete UCL tear, needs surgery. Let's talk about uh, what it means for that right arm. Oh, yeah, terrible, terrible injury for him. You know, just such a great season. It's been neat to see him uh, play the way he has. Um, so, you know, as we go back and kind of rewind here anatomically on the UCL or Tommy John type ligament, you know, essentially what this is, is as you think about the elbow, that inside part of the elbow, that ligament crossing across that inside part of the elbow, and that's what basically gives you your stability. So, for example, if you think about bringing your elbow towards your midline, and if you're to push your wrist to the outside of the body, that force is called a valgus force. And that's what basically applies stress to that area. Another good way to think about this is in your throwing arm as you kind of have your arm cocked in that back position, starting to bring that arm forward. That's where you start to feel a lot of that stress over that ligament. So that's the area we're talking about. It uh, sounds like, as you mentioned, uh, you know, full thickness here in the area sounds to be what they're reporting. Um, you know, obviously, if this is non-dominant side, non-throwing side, you you could you know make some arguments for not fixing this. But obviously, on your throwing side, a quarterback, this has to be something that needs to be fixed surgically to get them back where they were before. Doctor Brandon, let's talk about repair versus reconstruction, and uh, what that means. Uh, you, you just repair. He could be back next year. Reconstruction, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's really something to think about. Um, so good difference in the two. Repair means you go in and you basically sew the tissue back together that's currently there. Okay, So you're taking that damaged ligament, sewing it back together, repairing it. If you're going to do a reconstruction, that means you're going to bring in something different to replace that. So, for example, you could do like, you know, ligamentous reconstruction, which is what we do for, you know, a true Tommy John injury. That's where you take a ligament from somewhere else, bring it into that area. And there's obviously some, a variety of techniques you can use to fashion that ligament in place to provide that essentially valgus support to the elbow. Um, in his scenario, so as you kind of look at it and say, all right, how do you decide repair versus reconstruction? Um, typically in these really kind of acute, very traumatic injuries, which is what this is, oftentimes you can go in and there's some really nice tissue left that you can go in and repair, sew back together, and essentially bring the damaged ligament back together and it's your native tissue. Sometimes in those scenarios, depending on the, you know, the quality of that tissue, um, you might have to supplement your repair by you know, maybe adding a ligament on top of it. Uh, there's some other things we can use, which is actually kind of an all-suture device uh, called an internal brace that you can use to kind of back up your repair. On the flip side, if you get in there and obviously the tissue is not great, it's really destroyed, it's really thin, hard to bring back together, sew back together, then you have to venture into that reconstruction world where you bring in basically a ligament and um, utilize that to remake his uh, underclotal ligament. 
Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here. It's a Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, is that why I'm seeing some of this variance on Twitter of some people saying, you know what, this is going to be a six-month recovery, others are saying nine-month recovery, and then some people even saying it's going to be a full 12 months for him to get back to where he was before the injury. And is that where that variance is coming from, just what type of surgery is going to be required and what kind of recovery that's going to be needed following the surgery? Yeah, like, that's a great question. So as you think about that, um, it's dependent on a lot of factors. So obviously there's going to be a ton of speculation on it. Um, and so, you know, first thing you look at is exactly, is it repair versus reconstruction? Typically on the repair side, it's going to be you know, sometimes a little shorter recovery. Uh, but also what probably makes the most difference here, uh, fellas, is really what sport and what activity they're trying to get back to. So if you take somebody like, for example, that's football player, wrestler, that's not basically a non-throwing athlete, they're going to make it back sooner just because those mechanics of throwing are so hard to regain. So your other folks that are not throwers, they're going to get back sooner. It could be four to six months, probably more on the six-month side. Um, you start to venture into the throwing world, and then the game kind of changes. Even with repair versus reconstruction, sure, it might be shorter on the repair side uh, versus reconstruction, but you're still looking at a long process. I would venture to say that it's going to be at least a nine- to 12-month process for him. And, again, it's just those mechanics of returning back to throwing are so hard to regain. You have to basically retrain, you know, do that whole neuromuscular retraining program to retrain your brain about where the arm, shoulder, elbow is in space to learn how to put all that back together and coordinate it appropriately. So, yeah, I, I would venture 9 to 12 months is probably more an appropriate term. We all kind of have that figure in our mind about some of the baseball kids that go through the you know, Tommy John surgery, the pitchers, and that can be, you know, 12 to 18 months. Um, probably not really the scenario for him, but he's a throwing athlete. So there's a chance that it could be longer than 12. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. And we're talking uh, Brock Purdy, uh, his injury versus the Eagles, and uh, that uh, Tommy John surgery. So when we talk about his future being the throwing athlete, uh, how how big a, a, a rehab comparatively to, to other long-term injuries is this for a quarterback you, you laid out uh some of the steps that, that need to happen but uh it, could it could it be just a bump in the road or is this pretty traumatic from a from a recovery standpoint to get back to what he's been yeah you know honestly with this being a throwing arm um it's going to be a, it'll be a delicate delicate process getting back uh, i wouldn't say bump in the road by any means um you know, it's so interesting as you look at these kind of injuries. You know, we're so used to talking about those chronic repetitive injuries leading to Tommy John, like a true Tommy John pitcher injury, which is kind of that chronic repetitive over time, gradual stretching process. Very different when you go to a traumatic scenario where you have this big injury, big contact injury, where you just kind of blow that whole ligament up. Very different in terms of that recovery. Um, the hardest part with these, obviously, there's the surgery side of it. The other part of it is regaining your motion. Elbows are very unforgiving when it comes to very high-level trauma in terms of regaining your motion and just the stiffness and the scar tissue that sets up there. So this will be a battle for him. Uh, regaining his motion, I would say there's there's a chance here that he may not completely regain all of his motion, especially extension, but should be able to get him back to a functional level where, yes, he can go back and play and throw and hopefully regenerate that same kind of velocity that he needs to be successful. Is there any worry in your mind 
Dr. Brandon, that Brock Purdy came back into that football game on Sunday and, and threw a couple more passes. I think he was 4 of 4 following the injury. So uh, he was still slinging the ball around. Is there any risk of further injury from that? Or, or is this uh, something where it's going to be, you know, not comfortable to go throw a football, but it's not going to risk further injury? Yeah, you know, on the throw, typically on the throwing side, usually your pain becomes kind of that limiting factor. So if you're able to kind of manage the pain well and can still throw with it, probably not going to take this to a higher grade injury. I think the thing I'd be afraid of more, obviously you're playing you know, professional football, is, is the hit, the contact part of it. You know, you land weird, somebody knocks you over, trip and fall. Those kind of things would be more worrisome for me in terms of that more higher grade injury you could go back to. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday in Brock Purdy, our topic. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the insight today. Appreciate your time. You bet, fellas. Y'all take care. Good to spend time with Dr. Brandon and uh, his take on Mr. Purdy. Get some final thoughts from Coach Rule, signing day 2.0, and always enjoy uh, sitting down with Russ Hochstein, longtime Patriot Husker standout and uh, teammate of Tom Brady. Good perspective there. We'll say goodbye to a Wednesday next on Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Sure to hit the podcast to hear from Russ Oakstein on Tom Brady and uh, Mike Babcock on signing day along with Evan Bland. Good stuff. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the full show or segments for you with Hale Varsity Radio and the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Be sure to check out HaleVarsity.com and Brady Holtman's Aaron Sorensen, uh, Drake, and of course, uh, uh, Jacob Bedilla, the crew, Brandon Vogel, Mike Babcock, all their thoughts on signing day and, and the week that is to come and finish out with Nebraska Athletics. So two names that are back, Xavier and Garcia Castaneda. Castaneda. Rule touched on those guys, kind of the, one of the final questions he, he answered regarding to roster specifics, and he's uh, really not looking at them as portal returners, but guys that he's excited to learn about. They didn't, they didn't go in the transfer portal on me. They had done that before, so I had no real issue with that. Um, like I said, I'm going to take everything on a case-by-case basis. Um, Jeff Nixon, who, who worked with me, um, was a high school teammate of mine, worked with me, and his son played on the team, called me about Xavier. I didn't know who Xavier was. Um, and so I talked to you know, I just met with him. I love Xavier Betts. And I don't love Xavier Betts because of who he is as on the football field, because that's what's wrong <laughs> when people think you only love him. I love who he is as a person. I like getting to know him. I like that... You know, I, I, I appreciate it. He texted me happy birthday yesterday. Okay, that means something to me. Like, so I like who he is as a guy. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm anxious to see him kind of get back on the football field and do well in the classroom. So I'm anxious to not just give him a chance, but to be an advocate for him. You know, like my son's 18. I'm trying to figure out, he's trying to figure out what he wants to do for the rest of his life. I want him to go places where they has people who they don't entitle him, they don't enable him, but they advocate for him. So we'll do that for Xavier. And then. You know, I, I, you know, Isaiah, he, he just reached out and I was like, yeah, let's give him a chance. Like, give everybody a chance and then go through the spring and then uh, people are going to see the standards and how we do things and they'll either decide that they want to do it or not. But um, yeah, they hadn't gone on the portal on me, so I, it really didn't affect me. Fair enough. And two more wideouts to a busy wide receiver room. 
And uh, what I what I liked from that comment, what I what I took away from that was, well, I took away more than just this, but like, did you hear at the end where he's like, we're going to show people what our standard here is at Nebraska this spring, and you can interpret that as we're going to put these kids through hell this spring and we're going to see who really wants to be here. Are you, are you able to survive in advance or are you out? Thanks for playing. You are off to uh, a jazz show. Yeah, up in Tell Omaha. Me about that, Winton man. Marsalis is, oh, nice. uh, is coming You're to You're going to go see Winton, huh? Yeah, so uh, looking forward to it. My dad's going to pick me up, so I don't have to pay for gas money. That's great stuff. Picking Look me up directly you. from work. Yeah. It's I, been I like, a week for you. I like, uh, I like uh, jazz, too. I'm not sure if you like jazz. I'm a jazz fan. I, I played in the jazz band back in the day. Wow. And just and judging it, me, you think, because I'm not a survivor guy, I don't like jazz. I took History of American Jazz. As did I. I, I love, that's all, it's, it's pretty much a requirement, non-requirement for broadcasting students. And then I loved the, uh, the, the, the Ken Burns jazz oh that's great set up well has ken burns ever made a bad documentary no well probably but i mean the ones that have been on pbs have been pretty good and i'll say this like i never thought like i'd go see jazz live and i got to do that with my dad uh, i reference kansas city and the majestic all the time and that's an old school throwback old school steakhouse well basement they had a jazz club oh nice we had a few cocktails down there and said i can't play the trouble like that how about you <laughs> so we'll be back tomorrow at four on hail varsity we'll sit down with amir abdullah thanks a hood at media production